Hello, and welcome to this week's Rupture Radio. I'm Owen Burns, and I'm delighted to be joined by Jermit, Rupture Radio regular. Hello. And Kelly McCaffrey, a Belfast City uh, People for Profit representative and socialist activist. Hiya. Uh, this week we'll be discussing the riots in the North and delve into the sources and the deeper political issues. So just before we go into things, we uh, for those not in the know, in the first week of April, there was rioting in Belfast. On, on the 7th of April, a double-decker bus was pelted with petrol bombs and then hijacked on Lanyard Way, an interface area between this Upper Springfield Road and the Shanko Road. The driver of the bus was assaulted and was fortunate enough to escape uninjured. However, in the interface area, a car was rammed into the gates of the Peace Wall and it opened up the interface between the Protestant community and the Catholic community. Was this kind of the perspective you saw on the ground, Colleen, or... Was there other events that kind of led up to this? Well, I suppose on the ground, what we were seeing was youths kind of just gathering and a lot of spectators. Um, everyone, obviously, everyone has their mobile phones out and we were all seeing the videos being sent from all across Belfast at the interface areas. So we've seen um, the videos of the double-decker being burnt out. We've seen the videos of... Uh, people cheering on their kids essentially to throw missiles over across the wall and that I think built a lot of tension Um, whenever I was speaking to some of the young people they were saying that we have to defend our area and they got into this very much um, I suppose brave heart kind of mindset that um, that um, that maybe back in the day, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, um, a lot of youths would have had as well um, of this is our area and they're attacking us. So we need to protect it by attacking them. It's not hard to imagine how you can sucked up into things, especially on the ground, things are moving so fast. Uh, I think it's understandable for, for some people to have that response. Just looking back on it over the last couple of months, tensions have been building since the Irish Protocol, which instituted a, a border down the Irish Sea, came into effect in January. And while the immediate cause or reported cause of this series of events was the refusal of the Public Prosecution Service to bring charges against senior Sinn Féin politicians for breaking restrictions at the Bobby Story funeral, how much of these factors played a role in the recent clashes? And are there other contributors to the rise in tensions? I think there's a lot to do with the likes of the story funeral, um, the protocol from that those incidents over the few last few months. We've heard uh, loyalist leaders, both political and militant, I suppose, coming out and expressing their views in very emotive ways. The, we had Sammy Wilson, MP, DUP, was saying um, how we will do what ever means necessary, we will get rid of this protocol. Whenever you're using language like that, um, especially uh, whenever you're meeting the likes of the LCC um, and paramilitary groups, there is going to be some sort of tension and response that is brought forward. Um, unfortunately, we've seen that those protests, as they were named, were um, quickly turned violent both towards the PSNI and towards nationalist areas. Um, I mean, for me, I, I don't believe that it is just those issues that brought on the violence and the protests. This is anger that has been bubbling within the working class loyalist communities for years now. 
And I think it's important to say not just to the loyalist communities, but across nationalist communities as well. Um, I mean, we understand as people in working class areas who were on that ground those few nights that the, the trouble was happening. We understand better than anyone how it is so difficult in working class communities because we've had so many cuts. We've had the issues of stagnant wages for nurses and for teachers. Um, we've had loss of services, both youth services, mental services, um, all sorts of health services as well. And indeed a questionable response to the pandemic, which has led us then to be cooped up for over a year. Um, and I think we need to remember that while we do shine a light, I suppose, on the elderly and the vulnerable, the youth in this situation, they haven't, they've never been used to being locked up for so long, being restricted from seeing their friends, from going to their youth services, their sports club, school and whatever else um, and these these normal people on the ground they're disgusted at the DUP's attempt to whip up tensions and paramilitaries orchestrating on the ground as um, as anyone else but they also understand um, that we learned you know uh, following the nights of violence um, that turning to violence against the other side isn't a solution and it's important for that to come from the communities that leadership and that ownership to come from the communities because empty condemnations from those in the likes of Stormont in the Dáil um, and indeed Westminster who are responsible for running down the communities um, and meeting and legitimizing paramilitaries it, it just won't cut it um, I mean it's it's well known here that people especially young people don't feel like there's an awful lot of prospects for them um, we see so many leaving for Canada and New Zealand every year and Australia and all the rest. Um, I mean, our, our mental health crisis here, it is indeed a crisis in itself. It's an epidemic in itself. And there was actually a mental health centre in Belfast on the Shankill Road, um, Compass Counselling. It was threatened with shutting its doors. And it was only saved then whenever both communities from the Shankill, from the Falls, from the Springfield came together in protest. And then people before Profit actually brought forward an emergency motion to Belfast City Council, joined the campaign to save the services. And indeed that did save that service. And that was through all sides of the communities and none coming together. Um, we need more funding into mental health services here for more funding for youth services we need free and easier access to education and we need an investment in the futures of the young people here so you were kind of hinting at the fact that like a lot of this is coming from like stormont and westminster about the economic like conditions that they're being placed on it like, how much do you think the political establishment has played a role in stoking this? You hinted a bit at there where you're pointing out to the, at the DUP meeting with the Loyalist Community Council, whipping out sectarian tensions. Is that a response to the DUP losing support to the more hardline TUV? Uh, or is it in response to something else? Like, what role have the DUP in particular played in this instance? Yeah, well, I want to suppose you're as cynical as I am, um, because... This all came out shortly after a poll that showed that um, the DUP were losing their support. And as you say, the more hardline 
unionist parties were gaining where they were losing. Um, so it's very much um, ironic, to say the least, that um, the DUP and Sinn Féin, I suppose, they were cozied up for a year there. Um, and after this, this is whenever the, the break-in point comes, essentially. Yeah, I think that whenever that poll came to light, um, there was a chord struck in the leadership of the DUP to say, right, we have to go back to our roots and go back then to who they believe are the community representatives very much. A lot of the time, members of paramilitaries and see what they what they think, what are we going to do and how are we going to go forward? And through that, we see the DUP flaring up all these tensions in and around the ANI protocol, in and around the Bobby Story funeral, where we've seen a member, a former member UBF funeral, um, also take place during COVID. There were DUP um, elected representatives at that funeral. Um, the ANI protocol, this was obviously as a result of Brexit, the Brexit that um, the DUP proudly said that they would do whatever possible to get Brexit, whether it was hard, soft um, Brexit, or uh, whether indeed it caused a border through the island of Ireland. But I suppose they didn't think for a second that there would be a border between the UK mainland and Northern Ireland. In a, in a few of the days following the initial clashes, we've seen like a positive response against the violence. And I saw the PVP had a rally the other day, which was well attended and seemingly reflects some desire to avoid further tensions. What has the response been like in, uh, since the rights in communities uh, from on the ground? Yeah, so um, as, as I said, I mentioned briefly earlier, um, the ordinary people on the ground, they're calling for unity. They're saying we don't need to to go back to where we were 30 years ago. We don't need to relive what our parents lived. Yeah, I think we've we seen the, the bus drivers in Belfast City Centre. They, I, I believe that they completely led the way in this. They were regular working people um, from either sides of the community. They came together to strike and say, no, if, unless there's an end to this violence, we aren't going to complete um, our duties because we are essentially at risk. Um, our safety is at risk here. And it's people like that, the people that recognized that we are stronger as a working class union than we are divided. Um, and that was completely reflected to anyone that I spoke to personally and to any posts I'd seen online. And you'd mentioned there as well about the anti-sectarianism rally. Um, so a lot of that was, a, a lot of the, um, the, I suppose, slogans and mottos that were thrown around was say no to sectarianism, say yes to unity. Um, and in that, we had speakers like Carl Frampton, originally from Tigers Bay. We had Linda Irvine, originally from the Shankill. Um, it was great to see that these people, um, particularly people from traditionally loyalist backgrounds, come out and speak against the sectarianism that was happening, the sectarianism that was whipped up by Stormont and by paramilitarism. Um, yeah, so 
on the ground, everyone was completely fed up. No one wanted to see it. Um, and every everyone has a right to, to feel safe. So like you, uh, you hint up the PVP rally, but the good, um, you know, the good turnout you have across community people. You had like Carl Frampton, who's traditionally from Tigers Bay. You had Linda Irvine, who's worked within the community, both on uh, Protestant and Catholic sites teaching the Irish language. And uh, I think you also had like a really interesting um, attendance by Siobhan McSweeney, who's probably a really, who's a fan favorite for a lot of people. But you also hinted at like another working class response, which was the bus drivers, you know, who came out, they went against their union leadership, came out rank and file and said like, we're not taking this anymore. We have a right to work as people, you know, whether or not we're Catholic or Protestant. How much do you think the trade union movement is going to be necessary for like, fighting for working class rights, both uh, sides of the, um, the community, whether from a Protestant background or from a Catholic background? That's a really good question, actually. I think the trade union, um, the trade unions need to come out like they did with the bus drivers, come out rank and file and say no to sectarianism, to say no to this division. Um, the trade union movement, it has, in the past, we've seen, it, it, it's obviously has its, its um, reasons, its, its fantastic powers, and we, we know about all those and, and the benefits of being in a trade union, but I suppose it is the need for the rank and file members to push the bureaucracy of the trade union um, movement to say that this is what we need, this is what we want, and this is what we're going to get. Because all too often we've seen members, or, or leading members of trade unions, um, almost coming body body with politicians. Um, we've seen a few say that you know it's either side, either side's as bad as the other. But we, we have to be able to call out the likes of loyalism whenever it raises its nasty head. Just how we're going to call out nationalism whenever it raises its nasty head. We, we can't shy away from those issues. Um, and the trade union movement can't do that either. Um, unfortunately, it has in many cases, but um, it's the regular everyday members who need to push that message forward and force their leadership to represent them fairly. I think what's touched on there, like it's a it's a major challenge posed by sectarian forces stoking up divisions in that it counterposes the two working class communities against each other. This is obviously difficult for socialists to navigate as we're seeking to establish working class unity regardless of background. How in your view do you engage with these communities in this environment while also seeking to confront the sectarian or reactionary forces often working within them? It's important to confront the sectarianism but we need to remember as well that in Belfast and across the north it isn't just the two communities anymore. We have we are so diverse here um, and it's not just a matter of being Catholic, nationalist or Protestant unionist. Um, so it's being able to relate the issues of your, um, your Catholic nationalist, your unionist, Protestant and um, all others, I suppose, in the others bracket um, with each other because 
it's not just one side or the other who's going to be hit by the welfare reform that's being imposed by Stormont. It's not just one side or the other who is being denied rights to speak a language. It's not just one side or the other whenever it comes to women's rights here. And that's right across this island. Um, so it's important to be able to relate with those issues to say, look, your neighbor down there, he's not the enemy. She's not the enemy across the way. Have a look at those at the top. Have a look at the ones who are keeping it this way and who are worsening our communities day and daily through their their power sharing, as they call it. Um, and, and have a think about what it is we can do. What can we do? We can simply say no. We can speak out against it. We can join a trade union um, to have that bigger force behind us. Um, and, and all of that leads to the change, even to the recent changes that we've seen. Um, albeit Westminster, for example, had granted, I suppose, the change in the same-sex marriage here. Um, like for how many decades before that happened, was it regular working class people um, going, attending the Pride rallies every year? Uh, protesting for their rights to be legal, to be married to whoever they want to. Um, I mean, it, there's so many examples, not just here, um, right from, from I suppose, the United Irishmen uh, right up to, the, to today um, of working class unity and how it has brought about good change here. Um, I feel it's important as well to mention about how the Good Friday Agreement that was brought around um, because obviously there was shocking amounts of, of um, violence and civilian murders as well. Um, it, it was a terrible time of a civil war on this island. Um, and the Good Friday Agreement was brought about by that, by the want in change. Um, but I suppose as someone who was, a, <laughs> I was a wee sparkle in my mummy's eye whenever <laughs> the Good Friday came about, Good Friday Agreement came about, and I'm a, I'm able to be critical. We are able to be critical of it now, um, because we're looking back on it. We didn't live through that, so we can be critical of it. Um, and I mean, the setup of Stormont that was brought about from it, it is just showing that here in the North, we can only have one side or the other because it's written, it's enshrined in the law that there has to be nationalist representation and there has to be unionist representation. Of course, that's important. But that just deepens the sectarian dynamic on which this state was built upon. I mean, we had the Orange State. We had, um, I, I suppose, one for a better word, the crucifixion of, of all things Catholic, um, right from the, the dock workers um, and, and right up then, obviously, on past and throughout the Troubles. Um, it just enshrines all of that complete sectarianism that is still here now in 2021. 
that Stormont has to be green or orange. It can't be someone down the middle. What's that about? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's I don't know. So um, just as a final question, a lot of parties in the North kind of say they offer like an anti-sectarian alternative. You've got the Alliance Party, the Greens, you know, they say that they're against sectarianism. But what does you, uh, people before profit and their activism and like socialist politics at its core do, which is different from other political analysis, which, uh, you know, actually aims to deal with the sectarian conflict in the North and try and unite the working classes? No, that's a great question. It's one we're actually asked quite a bit on the doors here as well, um, especially before the breakthrough of People Before Profit and West Belfast in particular. Um, People Before Profit, we are before anything else. We're a socialist organisation. We're a 32 county socialist organisation. Um, being socialist, we don't take that title lightly. Um, we stick to our principles whenever it comes around to it. Um, for example, whenever they are challenged in terms of being able to call out um, the nasty head of loyalism that we've seen pop out, we are, of course, anti-sectarian. Being socialists, we are, of course, um, anti-racist. We are, of course, um, anti-patriarchy. We are, of course, um, for equality of the working class. We are, of course, for the emancipation of the working class. We want to see a society, be it in Belfast, Derry, Galway, Dublin, anywhere in between or further afield. We want to see a society where people can live without thinking, where am I going to get the food for the kids here, the kids next week. Where am I going to get the money to put um, clothes on my kids' backs? Where am I going to get the money to pay my rent that's due last week? You know, we we want to see people being able to live comfortably and safely. We don't want the fear and destitution that comes with. I suppose the overall system that is capitalism that we've seen here for so many years, how many people are living on our streets, how many people have had to leave the island to find work, how many people have had to leave the island to access healthcare. The list goes on and it's a society of change that we want to see a collective change that comes from the working class communities. Yeah, so just lastly, before we let you go, are there any initiatives or events, meetings um, that listeners can keep an eye out for, or get active in in the next couple of weeks in response to this? Yeah, well, um, as we talked about earlier, we had the anti-sectarian Yes for Unity um, rally online. Hopefully we will be able to hold more of those. So. I would definitely recommend that people have a look online and search for people before profit or if you want to see some of the reps, um, particularly in the north, we have Sean Harkin in Derry, um, we have Jerry Carl in Belfast, Fiona Ferguson North Belfast. Follow the main PBP accounts and um, there's always something on the go. There's always a wee day school here or there um, or there's always a meeting that you can attend. So. Um, yeah, I would definitely say keep an eye on those accounts um, and if possible, 
it would be great if we could get some new joiners. So click the wee join button while you're on that. <laughs> uh, hi, thanks, Colleen. It was great having you on. We would love to have you back on again, possibly in the future. And uh, I hope everyone enjoyed the show. Thank you. Thanks very much. Perfect. Thanks, Colleen. Fuck, just stick your trousers on and your last bit of makeup